Jesus made the claim that if we knew the truth, it would set us free. But in a world with so many interpretations, what exactly is truth and what kind of freedom does it afford? Welcome to Word for the Week, Season 2, Episode 35. Today we explore the claim, the truth will set you free. Okay, how did we end up on the topic of the truth this week? The truth this week. Well, this Sunday, uh, we're headed into, believe it or not, our last installment of the Acts Chapter 2 Church. Mm -hmm. And we're exploring yet another undercurrent or theme in this series, which is authenticity the power of authenticity. So uh, that's how the first church was the first church, and that got us where we're going now. So. Gotcha. And of course, there can't be authenticity without truth. Exactly. That's where it's coming from. So um, one of the most renowned sayings of truth or teachings of Jesus in the entire scripture, you know, dealing with that has to be from John chapter 8, where he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, it just kind of echoes around in a person's head. So that's right. where we're going with this. Okay, and considering the topic, another scripture comes to mind mm -hmm. as well. Jesus is about to give his life, and he's speaking to Pilate in John 18, 37 and 38. Mm -hmm. Jesus answered, You say that I am a, am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Right, what is truth? We're still asking that question today. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the answers, and this is where we're going with this, some of the answers to that question are profoundly different from each other and mm -hmm. take us in very, very different directions. And we've had philosophers claim truth is nothing but an illusion or the idea that it's relative or even the idea that it's absolute. Right. So we have applied this kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, little video we made with uh, right. using, using a dot to explain uh, relative and absolute truth. And our dot does it in under four minutes. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look. I'm absolute truth. I am relative truth. Here's a dot uploaded to YouTube. It exists. My screen isn't on. I don't see it. Therefore, the dot does not exist. Well, try turning your screen on. Ah. Now the dot exists. Data shows the dot was created on August 31st, 2022 at 344 and 59 seconds p.m. by someone named Kevin. Well, I don't know Kevin. He may exist for you, but he doesn't for me. And since reality is simply random events, I conclude the dot has no creator. The dot must have come from some random electrical anomalies. Wow. Well, the data shows the dot was created on August 31st. Data can be falsified. Therefore, I'll make my own conclusion. The dot is a covert plot of the government. Okay, uh, the dot is white on a black background. On computer screens, color is produced by the RGB model of additive color. The three primary colors of red, green, and blue are used. 
Green is not a flattering color, therefore I deny its existence. And since the RGB model is purple without green, I identify the dot as purple. Uh, well, now we have two dots. The dot on the right is surrounded by larger dots. And the dot on the left is surrounded by smaller dots. Agreed? Agreed. Now, the dots are, in reality, the same size. Uh, to my eye, the dot surrounded by little dots appears to be larger. Therefore, the truth is that dot is bigger. That's truth for me. But the two dots in the center are, well, never mind. Now, now we're back to one dot. I see one dot. Therefore, the truth is there is one dot. But my truth is this dot is boring. Well, it doesn't seem very exciting to me either, but that's just my opinion. I think most people would find this dot boring. Therefore, the truth is, it's boring. Well, I'm with them. However, popular opinion really isn't the basis of reality. I think it is. And if I blink my eyes really quickly like this, the dot looks like an oval to me. But it's a circle. Well, it's a circle to you. It's an oval to me. The measurements haven't changed. It, it's still a circle. Well, that's enough of this dot. I'm going to simply make it go away. There. It no longer exists. I've grown fond of that dot. I prefer that it continues. Therefore, in my mind, it still exists. The dot's no longer on the screen. Reality says the dot no longer exists. I prefer that it does. Therefore, the truth is, the dot does exist. Well, I'm leaving now. <laughs> Enjoy your uh, dot. Since I make my own reality, I'm sure that I will. Okay. Bye, relative. Bye, absolute. Nice dot. Well, that was a bit of uh, fun with our <laughs> dot there, exploring truth with a dot. With a dot. <laughs> Even though it was lighthearted, it points out there's two very different understandings of truth, and that takes us in two very different directions. Exactly. It? Uh, and uh, even to the point of how we understand ourselves in the most rudimentary ways. So. Right. When Jesus and Pilate were speaking, their words were conveyed in the language of the time, which, mm -hmm. of course, was a Greek. And when Jesus taught, it was from the concepts of ancient Hebrew. So when the ancient Greek and Hebrew languages speak of truth, what do they mean? Okay, and an excellent question because uh, brings us back to that old linguistic question to people think in terms of their, their words or um, are their words simply a reflection of what they think? But one way or the other, the two go together. Mm -hmm. So one thing to notice is for the uh, serious word studier, if you look in uh, the Greek, of course, which the New Testament's written, both Jesus and Pilate are using the same word that was conveyed in the Greek, uh, Elthea. And the Greek meaning is, in in that in their interpretation of truth meant something based in reality. Uh, it could also be used to say certainly. I, I think in English sometimes we might use to say truth or in truth. I'm saying, mm -hmm. uh, and it also means a mind that's um, free from pretense 
or falsehood that uh, someone simply being truly uh, uh, speaking with candor. Okay, and mm. now how about the Hebrew? Well, uh, if the Greek, it always smacks of the philosophical. Right, you know, right. That, well, the thing I love about the Hebrew <laughs> is the language is just so downright practical. Right. Far less words, but very practical, uh, very uh, tangible. Right. And, and we have to keep in mind that as Jesus talked about truth, he was talking to his fellow Hebrews. So they were talking from a Jewish mindset. Mm -hmm. And then the Hebrew, emeth, uh, meant sureness. Uh, reliability, stability, mm -hmm. uh, even continuance, you know, to, right. to keep going. Or it meant to verify something. So very oh. practical uh, terms for truth. So in either language, they saw an absoluteness to truth. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of truth Jesus said would set us free, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, um, you know, we have this... Um, Article. Well, we always refer to a number of articles, mm -hmm. and and the first one up today is by um, a an apologist who is uh, quite known throughout the the uh, Asian world as well, uh, Patrick Zirkin, uh, and he does this wonderful article on relative and absolute truth. And and what won my heart with the article <laughs> is he uses bullet points. I love bullet points because they're the <laughs> pinnacle of conciseness. You know, somebody's really thought something out when they they use uh, bullet points so it's just concise for me well let's summarize some of that conciseness okay. and in his points on postmodern relative relativism mm -hmm. he says truth is created not discovered okay and of course this is the definition of relative truth so we're not saying this we're saying this is relative truth defined. right okay Truth is a matter of perspective, and each culture or individual defines for themselves what is truth. Mm -hmm. Since truth is invented, there's no universal truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> each culture or individual would define truth differently according to their perspective. Mm -hmm. Truth changes. Since it is connected to individuals and cultures which continually change, truth changes. Right. Since truth is a matter of perspective, one's beliefs can change a truth statement. Mm -hmm. Since an individual determines truth, truth is affected by the attitude of the one professing it. Mm -hmm. There can be no such thing as absolute truth. Mm -hmm. Absolute truth is not knowable. As each individual perception is different, truth cannot be known. Okay, so, you know, there we go. That's um, relative truth. Uh, and there's something, you know, we're talking truth and truth and logic go together. So mm. a basic point, logic 101 is this. If, if a statement is self-defeating, then logically it collapses on itself. And you can see where we're going here. Right. So if the claim is all truth is relative, the question is, is that claim absolutely True. Right. That's, huh? a, that's a great thing. I love the way uh, <laughs> Ravi Zacharias brought that out in an argument one time. But um, uh, it, it makes sense. I mean, logically, if you're making an absolute claim, hmm. and the claim is there's nothing absolute, <laughs> well, then logically, the claim has just discounted itself. And and of course, the reasoning collapses at that point. It always melts my brain. If relative truth is so un reasonable why is it so popular then in so many ways today yeah <clears throat> well you know and the, the the thing is is people think in terms of relative truth i think a lot in the society and don't even realize yeah. they're, they're coming from a, from that perspective because yeah. not everybody is trained in critical thinking and uh, you know sis, system and uh, systematic logic 
But uh, <clears throat> here's a few things that probably feed into where we are today. And that starts uh, many, many decades back is um, in something that I'm not going to say is science, but a portrayal or understanding of science in the time uh, certain thoughts were originated. Uh, one being that life originated and continued from random chance, you know, uh, Darwinism, basically, mm -hmm. uh, which implies then that if, if things happen from a random chance, then there cannot be from the very beginning anything that's absolute. There's no absolute source, so then there'd be no absolute purpose either. The second one is an even larger scope. It's not just life on this planet, but the universe itself. Um, some type of a random explosion uh, out of nothingness brought it into being. And so, um, once again, if, if it's the origin of everything is, is random, then there's no absolute in the cosmos itself. So, right. Yeah. And so the only option is whatever yeah. truth we can fabricate for ourselves. Yeah, and be satisfied with. And, of course, yeah. that's kind of where we go. Uh, right now, I, I think of... Um, one school of thought or one virtue, quote unquote, in, uh, we have in the culture today is kind of a twisted view of tolerance as, uh, mm. you know, the old I'm OK, you're OK. Uh, and it doesn't matter how much our opinions conflict, how much different your idea of truth is different from my idea or how different either of our ideas are from reality as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as you're tolerating, you're, you're this uh, an open-minded individual. All right. But it <clears throat> makes life more comfortable in a way, doesn't it? I sure. mean, we never have to point out someone or something that's wrong or as wrong, and we can uh -huh. pat ourselves on the back for being open-minded. <laughs> right, uh, open-minded. Uh, you mm -hmm. got to love that uh, saying that a, a lot of parents, apparently grandparents used to say is, you'd be so open-minded your brains fall out. <laughs> Everybody's heard that one, but it's, it's, it's kind of a homey wisdom there. But here's the thing, ironically, when we give into this relative tolerance that we're talking about, humans being what we are, and from our, our Christian standpoint, we're a fallen race, it's always, it's proven out in our dark tendencies. Now, if you think of this, even in the, in the best means, in the name of tolerance and where people were, um, I think where we've gone with gender bending has, it, it has hit a, an extreme that even 30 years ago, the people who are most active in it would never have imagined yeah, yeah. the limit to where we go. Because now we question not only by preference or identification, what sex you can come up with as in gender, but also what species you are. So it's it's really become hyper, hyper um, relativistic. Mm. And the thing is, is you just look, if you propose an alternate course of thinking to this, that no, not condemning people who want to explore alternate genders per se, but that the idea does not fit reality, just go there. Uh, even if it's in the most objective way, and you're going to get met with a lot of hostility mm -hmm. and a lot of manipulation uh, in a cultural sense. Uh, and I'll give you an example of that is that it's an I, I still find this fascinating for anybody who has an alternate point of view. There is only one term for everybody who has an alternate point of view of no, there isn't 20 million genders. 
And the one term that is available to us um, universally in the language is a derogatory term. And, and of course, we're not getting on the gender thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about truth in general here. Uh, and there are other examples in society. For, for instance, uh, clicking on an NPR station. I was listening to NPR because I'm very open-minded. There I was hearing what they had to say. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are some fa fascinating programs. Um, and this one was dealing with a new uptick in something for our stable democracy that was never seen before. Mm -hmm. And it dealt with intimidation at the polls mm -hmm. of the officials and, and to a point, the, the people, and I know we have our own story there, mm -hmm. but um, the idea, uh, and, and I'll just be honest, the last time we went by in the situation we were in, and looking at, I, I was just thinking of Germany in 1936, you know, with the... When the whole Nazi movement was coming up, so maybe that's not going to be too popular, but it did get me think of thinking of this: is that uh, one thing the Nazis did was hone to a fine point, to a, an excellent skill, the art of propaganda, hmm. and that, and so, uh, and so, so much so that propaganda has been studied in depth ever since the Second World War. Uh, one great study came down to basically just four main features of when something is propaganda. I thought I'd have you read that. Sure. Uh, one, it evokes strong emotion. Mm -hmm. Two, it simplifies information. Three, it appeals to hopes, fears, and dreams of targeted audiences. And four, it attacks opponents. Mm -hmm. Propaganda is a strong word, but it's hard to deny those features in many issues today. Right. I mean, like, yeah. it's becoming society's mindset, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, uh, I can pick out a lot a lot of examples of it. Yeah. So um, I, I apologize for getting onto a little bit of a soapbox there, but um, our focus today really isn't debating social issues. Maybe we'll do that some other time when we decide it'll be our last last time <laughs> yeah, on last Facebook time. and right. and whatever get, we get canceled. But uh, the real issue that all we really are trying to get at today is uh, the understanding of truth uh, and where particular understandings will take you in vastly different directions. So, mm -hmm. so we'll get back on the whole issue of truth now. Um, I love how Josh McDowell reasons out absolute truth in mm -hmm. Scripture. He says, the Bible also emphasizes the fact that it's vital what one believes. Jesus said, if you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins, John 8, 24. Mm. We're also told whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them, John three thirty six. Thus, the stress of the scriptures is not so much on the act of belief as on the object of belief. What is emphasized is not as much the one trusting, but rather the one trusted. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. Right. And and the thing is, uh, the, the pushback on relative truth that uh, McDowell's getting at on this is the idea that the act of belief is what makes a truth. Another term for that is crowdsourced truth. Yes. Yeah. Um, if enough people say something, then by golly, it's true. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, the internet helps bring that along, although it's a pool of information, of good information, but we see over and over that if something's said enough, 
then it is simply accepted as true. And, and right. that's kind of where he's going there. I've read recently that polio <clears throat> is actually on the rise after being nearly non-existent for decades. And it all comes down to enough people accepting conspiracy theories on vaccines and stuff. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is when relative uh, truth meets reality, uh, we lose every time. Reality is yeah. going to be the boss. And of course, in a theological point of view, the the thing is, is God as creator, God is the ultimate truth. Uh, therefore, um, relative truth is going to have a real problem with God. Right. We've reached the conclusion that all versions of truth aren't equal. Let's say we're understanding truth as Jesus was saying it. Then in what ways are we set free? Okay, because there's the claim, right? The mm -hmm. truth will set you free. Right. Uh, scripture mentions a number of ways that um, as human beings in the human experience that we can be set three, free. And Jesus starts uh, with actually a couple of them right in the very scene where we find this this comment back in John eight thirty one. So right. I'm just going to have you... Uh, uh, read that through again, if you would. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Well, so Jesus, you know, for the uh, the historical and the Bible student, they see there's, there's actually two untruths he's addressing back-to-back uh, -back in this conversation. Mm -hmm. The first one is a, a misplaced presumption in that uh, they were taking pride and, and solace in the fact that if you were of the physical bloodline of Abraham, right. you are on your way into God's kingdom. Whether you right. want to be there or not, whether you're worthy of it or not, just the fact that you're this physical um, situation, you will be going there. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this... Um, ancestry is, is the seal. Which there are faith systems today that do that too. Uh, well said, because I, I think of Christianity and I think of the uh, once saved, always saved or eternal salvation is basically... Or even being born in yeah. to, through mm -hmm. like Catholicism. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're baptized in children's baptism actually ties in pretty close to this mm -hmm. this idea that you once baptized into the church you're baptized into the kingdom therefore no matter what you do lifelong membership yeah lifelong yeah. membership whether you want it or not right there it is and the pharisees that's nothing new they were dealing with the same idea that's where uh they were taking a course Mm -hmm. so. And of course, Jesus points out that's not the case. God's right. promise was for those who live by Abraham's faith, not his bloodline. Uh, right. Uh, and then a second thing that comes into this was a claim in the present reality. Now, they it, it's even curious that they come across and say, what do you mean we'll be free? We're, we're already free. We're children of Abraham. Hmm. As they're saying this, uh, you know, 10 feet away are Roman guards from, you know, the, one of the most brutal occupations of the, of the nation has ever seen. Mm -hmm. And yet they have used their rationalizing to uh, point out that they're free. Right. And that was only one in a long line of conquest. Right, because they were not free. And, right. and, and, you know, no matter how they, they argued the point in their head. So in short, in their relative truth, if you will, they were deluding themselves. And, right. and freedom is freedom from fooling yourself to start there. I love some conclusions that Bible teacher Clarence Hay Haynes comes to in speaking about truth. He says, truth is constant, 
truth is objective, and it doesn't play favorites. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it tells us very painful things, but ultimately, truth will prevail. It will be standing in the end. Right. And and, uh, as a Bible teacher, we can kind of see where Mr. Haynes is going from in in this is Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Which is, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge Mm -hmm. that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, the the freedom Jesus speaks of, you know, and and I almost pull back from it because we get into that churchy sounding thing, but there's mm-hmm. no way around it. It's freedom from sin. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the universal impact from that is understanding what the reality of sin is, which is changes everything. If you realize sin is not acts, not primarily sin is the nature of your being is, right. is your nature. Right. And when you're talking your nature, you're talking something that affects every facet of your life. It, I mean, from the point when you get out of bed in the morning, you live out your nature till when you go to bed and you're dreaming, those dreams are still a reflection of your nature. So nature then is sin, sin nature, which encompasses every aspect of a person's life. Right. And the Apostle Paul explains our dilemma in Romans 7. We can even know what we're supposed to do, but not be able to do it, at least not on a faithful basis. Right, and what he's pointing out there, he was talking to, once again, his fellow fellow Jews, uh, well, or at least a Jewish component in the, in the letter to the Romans, is that, hey, you, you like you say, we have the law, the law is perfect, but you're trying to follow the law, and you're imperfect in following the law, so obviously you're not even doing what you want to do, so we need help beyond ourselves, mm-hmm. and we're not going to get it from relative truth. Um, and the promise then, or in the power of it, comes from God himself, the person of God living inside of us, so we have a bide-in comes up all the time in scripture Mm -hmm. it's god's presence that opens up the opportunity and gives the empowerment that we can have a chance against the sin natures he still uses our free will uh and and it really comes down like this if we want a little formula to it is what we are dictates our decisions and actions Mm -hmm. that we do in life our decisions and actions then set up the destiny uh, that we'll end up living. And not just our destiny in eternity, but our destiny in this life as well. Exactly both. Uh, You know, eternity starts now. And if you look at it, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because you and I have both taught a lot of children and always hoped for the best Mm. for the children. But how many people have you looked and said, wow, if they keep on this particular path, I can. I just know where they're going to end up. And right. unfortunately, we've lived long enough to watch that play out, right. which really comes down to the fact that, you know what, is that life is done one choice at a time, and that's where your destiny goes, and it happens surprisingly fast. Surprisingly fast. Yes. I would say the sin nature makes us foolish but not stupid. Mm-hmm. We can see the things going wrong in our lives, so it's not surprising that our culture is filled with anxiety and worry and fear yeah and if we understand that it makes sense that god's absolute absolute truth brings freedom from fear right and, and that's an interesting thing because if if you're watching a train wreck in slow motion yeah it's going to fill you with anxiety yeah. and as as i was looking at some of the stuff I, I you know was questioning with you i said you know one of the things i've seen we talked about life expectancy uh we saw in our Life expectancy went down 
yeah. uh, for the first time since 96, I think it was. Yeah. And they said part of it was COVID. And the other was the opi opioid crisis that was increasing. Mm -hmm. And as I understand, uh, opioids are a depressant. So uh, unlike, say, something like cocaine, getting into a whole whole drug lesson here. <laughs> but as I understand anyway, can't say I've, I've tried it. Uh, is when you take a stimulant like that, that's to gear to to gear you up and you you get stimulate you. <laughs> stimulated, engaged yeah. life in a way. Right. But to take a depressant is to numb you and take you really retreat from life. Right. So it's not surprising. Uh, maybe a very good indication then with that. In fact, we are seeing a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, and a lot of fear, a lot of feelings of powerlessness with the uh, the idea of things like uh, opioids uh, making this large spike. Right. And and so you were talking about, well, then there would be freedom from fear and all of this. And I'm sure that you have a, a Bible verse to... Um, I do. First oh. John four sixteen through 19. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we might have confidence on the day of judgment. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives, drives out fear because fear has, has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Well, here we are. We did all this Bible studying and we deciphered relative and absolute reality. And we wow, we were really intellectual today. <laughs> so from all of this stuff we covered, Kath, um, uh, what's your takeaway? Well, I'd say it's a fact that truth offers an all-encompassing freedom. Mm -hmm. However, that depends on the type of truth a person accepts as real. Right. Relative truth may sound enlightened, but it's filled with conflict and drifting. Mm -hmm. And absolute truth is only true when we discover that God isn't simply true. He is truth. He is the absolute. Right. Now, very philosophical, very, very succinct. So I'm in great awe of you today. Uh, <laughs> But uh, now I'm going to take a left turn and say, hey, just getting on the lighter side of things, mm -hmm. what's our, our highlighted song for this week? The song is My Anchor, written by the Texas native Christine Ockles. When asked what the takeaway of the song was, she said this, the message of the song is really simple, but also really profound. That, that bridge is my favorite part. I'm holding on to Jesus and he holds on to me. We have that assurance. It's such a powerful statement. It's especially important for this culture to be anchored and what you are anchored in plays out in your life. Okay, there's a word from Christy Knuckles, son of a pastor and a music teacher. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, so she was just talking about destiny, right? Yeah. Uh, so here we go. Cain and Praise team singing a song that's very apropos for today, My Anchor. And may you live in true freedom and until next week, be blessed. See ya.
You can also catch our live stream on Canaan Communities Facebook, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.